we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise their own history as well as their queer history and community members. The Voice by LGBTQ plus youth and music only on sin. This is Loud and Queer. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. I'm Luna. And I'm Sammy. And uh, yeah, we're coming to you live from the, the Cooler Nation in the Sin studios today. It's going to be Isabel Caldwell coming in around 3.30. We've got an interview with Justin Not to Play. Uh, his playwright has a play variations or exit music coming out very soon. But, but yeah, before we jump into all of that, where can people find us online, Luna? So we have social handles on twitter and instagram at sin loud and you can follow us loud and queer on facebook yeah and if you are listening to it this on omni or spotify or, or apple podcasts you can tune in live sundays from 3 to 4 p.m hello everyone you're listening to loud and queer on sin i'm sammy here with luna hi the song you just heard was spring by ivy jane brown and now we have an interview with Isabel Caldwell. Yeah, uh, if you don't know Isabel Caldwell, they're an uh, indie folk slash roots slash singer-songwriter musician based here in Nam. And uh, yeah, they have an upcoming album. The first single from it, Tiger Stripes, is out now. And they're also going to be doing a gig tonight at the Paris Jazz Club, which I'm very keen to chat about. But uh, hey, Isabel, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for coming, <laughs> jumping into the questions. <laughs> uh, Tiger Stripes has been out for a little while now. How have you felt the reception to the song has been? It's been really nice. Um, uh, yeah, I think released it just about a month ago. And um, I think what I've liked most about releasing it was got a lot of messages that were really wholesome. A lot of people saying that it sat in a really nice place for them um, emotionally and like in their body. And it was quite soothing. And I got one message one day that was like a couple of weeks after the release. And somebody said that it really helped them when they were feeling really anxious. And that was something that just like really struck a chord with me because I wrote it as a bit of a tool to help me with my mental health and to remind me of good things. And so that was just very, very, very rewarding. I think it's, yeah, it's been rewarding, is a short summary. Nice. That's great to hear. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, like, found it a really beautiful song. Thank and you. I think it was described on Bandcamp as a song about wear and tear. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I love the, the kind of repeated chorus outro at the end. Mm. Yeah, that just, like, felt very calming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, could you tell us a bit about kind of how the track came together? Yeah, so... Um, at the start of 2021, um, yeah, it was like in the middle of a gnarly depression and my psych was like, write down nice things and write down things that you like about yourself and like about, you know, the way that you are in the world and just kind of remind yourself of those good things because it's very easy to focus on the not so good things. And um, 
I think I would I would look at myself in the mirror and I would look at the various things that I was normally judgmental of and I would write them down um, what I liked about those parts and yeah I think um, yeah that it was very much like a mantra of a song and I would kind of play it I write all my songs in my bedroom and they're all very journaly so um, <laughs> Yeah, that one kind of came out of these are these are things that I really need to say to myself. These are things that I really need to remind myself of. And it's just nice to be able to put that out to everyone else now as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's the first single from your upcoming album. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell us about yes. the album? <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah. What can you tell us about it? I can tell you that it is called Duty of Care. Um, and it's going to be out in a little while, but I'm not going to say when, cause I'm keeping the element of surprise and mystery. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a collection of 10 songs that kind of capture the past four or so years and all the beautiful parts, all the not so beautiful parts, all the lessons learned in that time. Which, and I'm sure everybody has a lot of lessons that we've all learned <laughs> in mm. the past four years. Um, yeah, I think the biggest ones were friendship and community and self-love and also, um, not, not letting yourself or, or not kind of, yeah, putting up with being treated poorly by people and really focusing on where you are treated right. Uh, you also fundraised for the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really great. And like, I think it's something independent artists are doing kind of more and more in some form. And mm. it's not like directly fundraising for a project. It's like they have set up Patreons and coffees now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, keen to hear kind of like more about that whole process. Yeah. So I did it through Indiegogo um, and I'd done a fundraising campaign for another band. I'm in The Mamas. Um, uh, through Indiegogo and we chose that platform because it has the best um, kind of, they, they don't take as many fees off the top. So you get plenty of money back, which is good. Um, it's one thing to look out for with crowdfunding if anyone out there is wanting to do that for their projects. Um, and yeah, I allowed two months to do it and kind of set up a big socials campaign for it and I got my Virgo rising on and just like like through this whole process this year it's been really satisfying doing lots of lists and ticking lots of boxes and all that kind of thing but um yeah we uh, we raised um 8,600 thereabouts um dollars in two months and that covers everything except for pressing so it's going to be a digital release the album um and going to try and secure more funding to do the pressing over the summer. But yeah, um, it was, it, it just felt really good to be able to pay everyone in the band properly. Um, yeah, me and the producer, Imogen Siegler, um, we were asking um, one of the band members how much they would like to be paid. And he was like, oh, I've never been paid for a recording before. And that's just, um, you know, one of the things in the industry that is not ideal, one of many things, um, being a very under-regulated industry. Um, so it felt really satisfying, rewarding, all those words, to be able to actually pay people. And that is due completely to all the people that donated. Yeah. 
Yeah, fantastic. And it's so exciting. I We heard that the second single from your album is coming out soon. Yeah. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so um, the second single from Duty of Care is called Across the Hill, and it's coming out this Friday um, on the 16th of September. And I think where Tiger Stripes was quite upbeat or, or like... Um, I know, a bit more joyous. This one explores feelings of loneliness, of disconnection, um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy one to sit with. I think um, I found in the lead up, been been sitting with a lot of heavy emotions around it, but I'm eager to just let it out into the world and and have it be its own thing, its own little beast doing its thing yeah yeah no, i'm keen for people to hear it and um yeah yeah i kind of like it. it's one of those songs that um like if you're not actively listening to it it will mm. sound like quite pleasant to people yeah until but if you listen to the lyrics yeah. <laughs> you're like oh no <laughs> yeah yeah a few people said that tiger stripes made them cry and i reckon if that made you cry across the hill definitely will um, <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so um, we're talking about this just off air, but some people may know you from the Mamas or mm. Quality Used Cars. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess like getting back into like a substantial solo project like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like not having as close collaborators kind of a challenging or was it really freeing? Um, oh, it's, it's interesting. Like when I, yeah, when I write my songs, um, it's just me and guitar. I don't necessarily have an idea of I might have an idea of what kind of instrumentation I want, but I don't know exactly what I want them to do. I'm not a big arranger like that. Um, and so Imo, um, she, yeah, like she produced in a more old school way where she was really orchestrating everyone in the band and everyone in the band. So there's Patty Fitzgerald on bass, um, Kyle Muir, um, also known as YB uh, on electric guitar and Kiri Anderson on drums. Um, and then Imo does some keys and some strings and various swimmy, lovely, lush production. Um, they all bring their own very unique flavors. And I feel like, um, yeah, they they bring what only they can bring to the songs. And it's just been really lovely to see how all the different songs have grown uh, compared to when I first wrote them. Some of them have turned out so different to how I thought they would in a really lovely way. Um, but yeah, I think it hasn't felt like it's not as collaborative. I think it's just felt a little bit less structured and more conceptual, which is, which is how um, I think the songs naturally have grown, which has been really good. Yeah. yeah, nice. That's really cool. You have, uh, so today you've got a gig. Mm. It's called A Night of Nora. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Uh, with yourself and friends. It starts at 6.30 p.m. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Um, I'm feeling good. Um, so, yeah, it's at Paris Cat Jazz Club. Um, we did this same gig in July and got very good reception. Um, they always take care of people at Paris Cat, which is good. Um, but I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit nervous. Um, I don't know. I feel like there must be something in the moon, or maybe it's the change of seasons. But I'm feeling so low energy, 
And I think by the time I'm up on stage, I'll be like, okay, here we are. This is feeling good. But right now I think I'm like, I could curl up into a ball and just sleep forever. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be really nice to be on stage with everyone and settling into, so it's all Nora Jones songs. Um, and yeah, we've picked some, some good ones to, to just kind of sit into. There's some funky ones. Um, yeah, I've had a back injury the past week. Um, so my might have a stool on stage with me and that'll make things more comfy but that's how I'm feeling about that bit daunted but also looking forward to it yeah, yeah. well I feel like Sunday Sunday Arbor gigs are always kind of a chill <laughs> vibe anyway the crowd yeah. will probably be in a similar state I think so and like the weather's really nice outside everyone's probably had like a nice cruisy Sunday and then come in and we'll give them a nice sonic hug and then send them off home yeah well yeah, uh, yeah. do you have any other kind of upcoming gigs you could tell us about um, not too many. Um, yeah, mostly all my eggs are going into the releases and um, get ev- getting everything done for the album. And yeah, yeah, it keeps me busy. Yeah, <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, where can people find you online to keep up with that uh, yeah. album release? Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And I have a website, which is Isabel Caldwell. Like I S O B E L C A L D W E L L dot band zoogle. And it's like Z O O G L E dot com. Um, and I keep everything updated on there. Um, probably most active on Instagram. Um, but if you don't have that, Facebook and the website are reliable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll jump into Tiger Straps in a second. But yeah, thanks so much for coming on to Thank the show today. Thank you for having me. Oh, don't Thank worry. you. Really appreciate it. Of course. Um, yeah, I guess, is there anything else you'd want to tell people about Tiger Stripes before we jump into it? Um, I guess just give yourself a hug. Give yourself many hugs. You deserve it. All right. <laughs> you're listening to Loud and Queer out here with Isabel Caldwell, and you're about to hear their uh, latest single, Tiger Straps. You're listening to Loud and Queer on scene. Thank you. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin here with Sammy and Luna. The song you just heard was called The Days We Remember by Kaya Mercedes. I had a chat with Justin Nutt earlier this week. Uh, Justin Nutt's a director, theatre maker and festival programmer whose uh, new play Variations or Exit Music has been carefully penned and crafted over many years. And uh, yeah, this play, as the title suggests, is a collection of variations of endings, uh, explores relationships, and yeah, it features a diverse and largely queer team, including an original score by Danny E. Esposito. Yeah, Variations on Exit Music will be from the 15th to the 25th of September, and you can go to La Mama's website for more info. But for now, we'll jump straight into it. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. This is our chat with Justin Knott. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining us on Loud and Queer. Thanks for having me. No worries. So, uh, Variations on Exit Music is coming up very soon, running from the 15th to the 25th of September at La Mama. How are you feeling about it? Feeling pretty good, actually. Yeah, we had a full run yesterday, and it was actually pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, very excited. Awesome. So, yeah, can you tell us a bit about the show? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a show I, I wrote and am directing as well based on uh, my own life experiences. So it's, it's autobiographical. Um, 
And it kind of looks at like three very intense relationships I had that all ended but in different ways and sort of looks at how you have to find yourself again when, you know, you and your partner separate and what that experience is like. Yeah, awesome. So uh, when did you start like writing it? And I guess you said it was like autobiographical, Mm. but has the concept or like general story changed from when you started writing? Yeah, so I started writing it in about 2019. Um, I was living in London uh, and and didn't really have my creative team around me like I normally do in Australia. Um, you know, I was living as an expat. And so I had to sort of let my creativity out in different ways. And I was doing that a lot by writing and performing my own bits and bobs, very short pieces, just at, you know, um, queer venues around the town. Um, and then the breakup, the last breakup happened while I was there. And so that became a focus of my writing. So actually, it didn't start as a play. It just started as notes on a phone that were kind of highly stylized, rhythmic, spoken wordy kind of things. But I just kept writing. And I wrote for about um, a year and a half in all of these little fragmented bits and bobs. And then I kind of weaved them together. And I was like, oh, hey, that's that's kind of a full play. Um, then came home in the pandemic and spent a lot of lockdown just really tightening up the script and letting their characters sort of grow into real life people and um starting to refine it into a a performable performable vision i guess um so quite a while a lot of writing over a lot of lockdowns really and yeah definitely did change as it like you said it wasn't didn't know what it would be when you started yeah i mean originally, originally it was there were no characters in it it was just words on a page um and as a director i love scripts like that that do weird things like you know, you don't know who's talking or how many characters there are. But then knowing that I had to direct it myself, I was like, oh, actually, I've, I've kind of made it tricky. <laughs> so, yeah, it went from being just this big, long swathe of words to actually I want I want there to be characters who each have their own journey throughout this, this play and I want there to be a very clear sort of timeline of events that happen. So it did, it did go from being really sort of fragmented, discrete scenes into a much more holistic and and linear kind of play as it is now. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, this also, the uh, press info and buyers have seen for this uh, play has stressed that it isn't a musical, but certainly, like, sounds like it will explore kind of the relationship between, I guess, people, the relationship people have with their favourite music. Mm. Um, so, yeah, can you tell us a bit about that idea mm. and also then how the original composition um by danny like fits into Mm, it i am just as a caveat i love musicals so uh, we're not saying it's not a musical because they're bad i think they're great um but this show was more about uh the relationship that we all have individually with the songs that we love and i think that's never more that relationship is never more intense than when you're feeling sad (laughs) and breakups are obviously a sad time so for me, I in, in New Solitude that came after you know, losing a lover, like songs sort of became a companion and songs that, you know, you'd repeat over and over again, songs that you'd heard once before that you listened to again and you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I get that now. And even songs where, like, the words aren't particularly sad or heartbreaking but it's just the energy or the vibe or the just two lyrics and you're like, yeah. It's me and you, Adele. We get it. <laughs> um, and so what I wanted to do with this play was was to look at how 
this person finds themselves alone three times in these three breakups, but it's their relationship to their their songs that keeps them moving forward and trying to comprehend what feels like an incomprehensible experience. And so approaching Danny, our, our composer, I said, look, the show, the show has a really important focus on um, that relationship between yourself and the songs you love. I don't necessarily want to drop in some banger tracks. What I would like to do is I would like to integrate into it an original score um, that conveys that relationship, that shows what it's like to be in silence and then to to just drip music into the background and see how it affects those characters in in those moments on stage. And Danny's a fabulous composer. They're in high demand at the moment, um, and it's actually really thrilling to be able to work with them. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what was that? I guess, like, some people might be curious as to how, like, composition works in theatre shows like this. So, mm. yeah, I'd be keen to hear more about, like, working with Danny and that kind of, like, more in the, yeah, production. Yeah. Uh, vibration side of things. It's actually the first time I've worked with a composer. Um, right. Not by choice. It was just sort of the projects I'd, I'd worked on didn't really call for composition. And so it's a new experience for me. And I've kind of let Danny lead that. Um, so what that's kind of looked like is, you know, we sat down for the first meeting and I said, I've got this play. This is um, the importance of music in it and to the characters. And this is the overall um, vibe of the piece. And then Danny would say, okay, great. What I'll get you to do is go through the script and just annotate it with feelings, energies, song, song, actual song titles if they come to you or um, or textures or anything that comes to your mind that could be conveyed through music or, or sound. Um, I did a bit of that over the last few weeks and, and being a visual director, it's kind of like shifting gear and, and driving in reverse for me. I have to sort of think differently and and the fact that Danny was like, don't think necessarily in what, this is what I want the song to sound like but think about it in terms of the experience. Okay, so I want this to, to feel like this character is, you know, drowning underwater. How do we convey that through sound? And then Danny will go away and have a play uh, on their instruments and make a recording, a sample, send it through. Um, and then in the rehearsal room, we just introduce that into the into the scene and, and you sort of see how the actors respond because sometimes... You play a sad song, for example, and the actors will automatically fall into a very sad place. So maybe that's not what we want. Maybe we want it to be contrasting. So it's it's all about here's an idea. Danny takes that idea, gives us a song. We pop that in the scene, see how that goes, and it's this back and forth um, trial and error kind of thing until eventually we come up with a score for the entire show. Yeah, nice. That that sounds like a very like interesting natural way of bringing it together yeah it's pretty organic and and exploratory it's not really like i want to do this deliver it's more like well, let's find it together and I, I kind of like that way of working yeah so as the the production kind of in general and you mentioned like you know in terms of the visuals as well has it kind of mm. all come together that way it has yeah it's just that's just the way i like to work i remember an old drama teacher of mine said um as a director don't think you have to have all the answers and it was such a relief to be told that because mm. I was like, I, I don't have all the answers. So sometimes you'd be in a room and you'd be like, well, actually, what do you think? And more often than not, 
you know, with a cast of four actors and sometimes the designers in the room and even the stage manager, just the conversation in the room brings up something. And that something is something that I couldn't have thought of myself. It took the team to sort of weave in and out of conversational topics, personal stories, things they've seen, things they've heard. And then you just be like, yeah, actually there's something, there's something in that image you just described or that, that, that moment you just remembered. Let's have a look at what that could be like on, on the stage. Um, so it's entirely collaborative in that way. Yeah. Um, I guess that kind of leads into my, my last question here. Um, like variations of exit music from what mm. I read largely has a very queer team behind it or mostly mm-hmm. queer. Um, did you mm-hmm. find that the casting crew kind of understood the themes and ideas you're putting forward a bit better or like on a different level kind of because of that? I think so. I think, you know, not only was the content of the play or the storyline of the play about queer relationships, but the way we wanted to tell the story is also somewhat queer. And and, and I'll explain that in a sec, but that, but that was something that everyone in the room was on board with, but also just understood and, and vibed with. And, and what I mean by queering the delivery of the story is we haven't necessarily gone, this is an A, B, C storyline. Um, this isn't a chronological one. It's not one that has a, a, a traditional sort of, um, you know, climax resolution structure. We were looking at saying, well, queer people experience the world differently because they're at odds with, you know, the overarching dominant ways of the world, the heteronormative ways of the world. So, like, how how can we convey a queer experience, a queer perspective and a queer story in the order of the scenes or the... Um, construction of the tension throughout. And so while we have these discussions in the room about like, oh, yeah, that that reads to me as, as a moment about finding your chosen family, for example, there's also discussions being had about, well, how can we create an experience for the audience that feels and, and adequately represents that queer otherness? That is something that can be scary, and especially in a play about being alone, being othered is, is not very nice all the time but it's also something we celebrate our difference you know that's that's the pride thing we have pride in who we are and how we exist in the world and this is how I want to convey it so yeah having a queer team was pretty important to me especially as the story is my personal one um and it's definitely meant that there's an element of authenticity and understanding and and passion behind the work from everyone involved yeah yeah that's fantastic to hear um yeah, I guess where can people find you online and then also find tickets for the show? Yeah, so um, themama.com.au. Tickets are available up there under Variations or Exit Music. Uh, and we're open for two weeks. So from the 15th to the 25th of September. Awesome. And yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I, I just hope I see you all there. It'd be great. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. You're here with Sammy and Luna. That track you just heard was Midnight Legend by a Special Interest in Mickey Blanco. Yeah, love that kind of housey, poppy vibe to that yeah. track. So good. So today we had a pre-recorded interview from Justin Knott, a director, theatre maker and festival programmer, and his new play will be at La Mama uh, from the 15th to the 25th of September. And then we had our live interview with Isabel Caldwell. Yeah, I want to thank uh, them again. It was fantastic having them in, chatting about 
new single Tiger Stripes, talking about their upcoming album as well, uh, which will be out soon. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to find our socials, our tag is at SinLoud on Instagram and Twitter. We have a Spotify playlist if you wanted to listen to any of the songs we've played called The Loud and Queer Mixtape 2022. Yeah, and that has all the music from the entire year that we've played on the show, if it is available on Spotify, of course. And our next song, Odyssey by Vilify. Joy, thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media.